<laughs> the table at the front is not for gifts. Just feel free to, to walk by. But it is good to be together this morning. If I haven't met you yet, Donovan, part of the team here at Common Ground, uh, married to the lovely Heidi, who you'll hear from in a moment, and Rachel and Rebecca, my two little girls. It's hard to believe it's almost Christmas. Crazy, one week to go, we're doing Airbnb, so it's been a crazy couple of days, packing up, cleaning up, you realize everything that's, that's going on. We've got family coming in the next couple of days from Durban, so all in all, we're quite excited, but these things sneak up on us, don't they? I mean, it's like, hey, it's next month, a couple of months, a couple of weeks, we'll tidy that, clean that. I mean, fair enough, Heidi has been doing that for a couple of weeks, I've been kind of waiting, and then all of a sudden, it's day. Time to pack up, time to clean up, time to get ready for family. It's, it's like that in life. And it's like that sometimes with Christian moments like Easter or Christmas. You know, these things kind of sneak up on us and we get there and we realize, hey, this is a big moment for Christians, but I haven't actually thought much about it. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this series, He is Called. What we're wanting to do is to help us as Christ followers truly celebrate and take in the wonder of this festive season. That actually, this is a high moment for Christ followers, that it's a time filled with awe, and it's a time filled with worship and celebration. The series is anchored in Isaiah 9. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is this very loud, or is it okay? People in front. I mean, we do know, all of us, right, and even the kids that are here, that the, that the true, the greatest gift that we celebrate at Christmas was never found under a tree. It was found in a stable amongst the animals. We celebrate the child Jesus that was born. Like all babies, he didn't stay in the crib. He grew up and changed the world more than anyone, anyone else. But more than that, he didn't only change the world, he's impacted our lives radically. Most of us in this room's lives have been radically impacted by Jesus. And he would grow up, this little baby, to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So this morning, I get to kind of prepare our hearts as we get into, into further into the, into the festive season, as we draw close to Christmas. I want to prepare our hearts to really celebrate the wonder of this high moment. And I'm looking at, he is called Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Next week uh, for Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, they're all the same meeting, so don't come twice unless you really enjoyed uh, listening to Mark. Um, but he's going to be climaxing the series with, he is called Prince of Peace. I just need to clarify, it's weird, it feels weird to talk about Jesus as Everlasting Father. Because we know that God is triune. It means that God is three persons. So he's Father, he's Son, he's Holy Spirit, but he's also one. So it's weird because that, that whole means that they're distinct. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. And so how do we talk about Jesus as everlasting Father? Well, two helpful thoughts. The one is that some say a better translation is he is called the Father of Eternity. Father of eternity. So amongst uh, the Jews, father means source or originator. 
So in the Bible, it'll speak about Satan, the father of all lies. He's the source of all lies. He's the beginning of all lies. And so maybe a nice way to understand it is, is to say, if you want anything eternal, you get it from Jesus. If you want anything of eternal good, Jesus is the source. He's the everlasting father. But here's the second reason why we can talk about Jesus as everlasting father, is that although there are distinct God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they also share one nature. This is, there's a lot of overlap as to who they are. And in fact, part of Jesus' mission in the world was to show who the Father was. So he says in John 14, he says, Jesus, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So we see that Jesus is a representation of the Father. And so just helping us wrap our heads around Jesus as the everlasting Father. Okay, I want to do this morning, Heidi's going to come up in a second to read Psalm 103 for us. I want to use and lean into Psalm 103 to just stir and prepare our hearts for Christmas um, as we look at what do we learn about the heart of the Father from this psalm. So Heidi's you can follow on the screen if you've got a Bible, you can open to it, but go for it. Hello. <laughs> okay, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being, praise, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Um, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life. It's just the wind. Sorry. <laughs> Read it from here. All right. It's all good. No, I'll do it here. Sorry, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> now my hair. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The, Lord's works, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known the ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, as far as, um, so far he has removed us from our transgressions. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals like, is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. For those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. 
Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts. You, you, his servants who do his will, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Thanks, Hyatt. Well, this is God's word, and may it nourish us as we learn from it and allow it to transform us. The key verse for me is verse two. It says, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. One of the things I love about this psalm is that it it doesn't speak about God as some object to be studied. It speaks about how God relates to us, how God interacts with us, how God interacts with the world. It speaks about his benefits. It speaks about how he moves towards us, how he interacts with us. So we need to remember that God isn't aloof. God isn't removed. God hasn't made the world and is now kind of left it to run down until, as it were, the clock stops working. It doesn't say he will be called the cosmic clockmaker. No, that's not who our God is. He's personal. He interacts with us. My goal this morning is to stir up our hearts to worship. That's why we're singing after the message. In some ways, I'm hoping that this message is a call to worship. It's preparing us to say, man, Easter, Christmas is coming. <laughs> Christmas is coming, that it's a time of worship. It's a time of adoration. It's a time of great pleasure for us. So we're going to sing, which is exactly what verse 2 calls us to do. Don't forget the benefits we have in our beautiful, everlasting Father. So I want to look at three descriptors of what Jesus is like from Psalm 103, and three things that Jesus does for us. I've actually squeezed in a few more. I've just added them together. Preachers do that. What is Jesus like? I found this birthday note. We were packing up for Airbnb. Amazing what you find. A little Christmas uh, birthday card from me, from Becky. You know, when you're, daughters of, when you're a father of girls, you get written stuff and pictures, and it's amazing. I never did this for my parents. It says this, Dear Dad, I hope you have a happy birthday. And this is the key part. I love you because you're funny. So someone thinks I'm funny, Becky. I love you because you're funny, Becky. I want to ask you kids, how would you describe your dad? Why would you love them? I love you because you. Funny wouldn't work for everyone, but try to come up with your own thing, Ben. Older kids, <laughs> how would you describe God? I love you because, I love you because you're gracious. You can fill in that sentence for yourself. As we draw near to Christmas, it's good to ask ourselves, God, I love you because, I celebrate your birth because. Psalm 103 helps us. Let's look at verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So here's, here's the three things. Jesus, I love you because you are compassionate and gracious. It's what we could write in a card. I love you because you are compassionate and gracious. Our hearts delight in God because he's compassionate. That means he doesn't treat us like we deserve to be treated. He doesn't treat us like we deserve to be treated. Our hearts delight in Jesus because he's gracious. That means that he has heartfelt sympathy for us. That when God sees us, he's moved. He's emotionally moved for us. He feels something for us. Both of these things, compassionate and gracious, they imply that there's somebody who's got something to give. 
that's superior. They've got something to give, that's Jesus, to someone who needs what they've got to give, that's us. Compassion and gracious, it means God's got something that we really need, and he wants to give it to us. That's why we love him. His heartfelt response is to give it to us. He wants to give us what we truly need. The opposite, sometimes it helps to just think opposite. It would be cruel, unfriendly, uncaring, cold, indifferent. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not why our hearts delight in our wonderful Father. Look at these verses. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows that we're in need, that he's got something that that we need. I mean, this is why our kids get away with so much, isn't it? The kids can do something crazy, and then they look at you, and and you just feel the sympathy for them. It's this graciousness, there's this compassion that you want the best for them. That's probably why they get away with too much and we sometimes don't parent well. I sometimes think it's, anyway, let's not get into parenting. It's not confession time, I'll save that for Monday. But that's why our kids, because when we see them, our hearts are stirred for them. We want the best for them, we wanna lavish things on them. We wanna, so we love God because he's compassionate and gracious. We can also say, Jesus, I love you because you are slow to anger. You're slow to anger. Who's who's ever been told to count to 10 when you're angry? Take a breath, count to 10. I don't know. (laughs) What do you tell your kids? Take a breath, go for a walk, go sit on your bed. Just take a break. Here's the thing. Our hearts can delight in Jesus. Remember, this is a call to worship. I want you to start thinking about who God is. This is the God that we love, the God that we serve. We love him because he's slow to anger. It literally means, the picture is of of he takes a deep breath and holds it and swallows his anger. (laughs) He swallows his anger. He holds back his anger. And then it says, Jesus, I love you because you are abounding in love. If it's true that Jesus takes a deep breath and swallows his anger, When it comes to his love, he never hesitates, not for a second. He lavishes his love on us. There's no holding a breath. There's no holding back. There's no hesitation whatsoever. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I remember being in this water park in France. Don't tell Mark. I'm not allowed to talk about the World Cup anymore. And we were in this water park, and there were these, I guess you could call it like a waterfall. It was more like a stream of water. That was, that was coming down, it was the best massage ever. Kind of, it moved slightly in the wind, so you'd move around. And it was amazing if you could handle the water everywhere. This is the picture of God's abounding love. It's like under a waterfall of God's love that just lavishes you. It's abounding, it's plentiful. Do you see the picture of God's love? So as we're heading to Christmas, we're speaking to our hearts as Christ followers. We're saying, Jesus, just like this card, we love you because you don't treat us like we deserve. This is the God that we serve. He doesn't treat us like we deserve. Jesus, we love you because you are for us and not against us. That you feel for us. You're gracious. Jesus, we love you because you are slow to anger, yet lavish in your love for us. Isn't the God of the Bible delightful? 
Isn't the God of the Bible worthy of our praise and adoration and singing? Isn't he worthy of our delight this festive season? As we celebrate Christmas, as we open presents, let's remember this beautiful Jesus that we celebrate. Okay, here's the second big question. What does Jesus do for us? Verse one, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pits and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Not doing all of them for the sake of time this morning. But here's the first one. We can write as we did in this card. Jesus, we delight in you because you have won forgiveness for us. Let's remember this festive season that the greatest gift you have ever needed and you will ever need, the greatest need you have by far is forgiveness, is the forgiveness of your sins. Matthew 16, it says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? Get any Christmas present you want. You can't fit that car, that Porsche under the tree, but you can fit it in the garage. What does it benefit someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for the soul? The greatest thing we need is forgiveness from our sins. You see, it's in our nature as people to wander away from God and forge our own path in life. It's in our nature, it's part of who we are as people to dismiss God, to ignore God, to carry on as if God doesn't exist, our very own creator. That is the essence of sin. This wondering, this forgetting, this dismissing, it's sin and it's put us at enmity with God. We are on a collision course with our creator, with the world, with each other. Things are falling apart and there's no way for us to rescue ourselves. We are unable to rescue ourselves. We need the greatest gift, forgiveness. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6. I should have put my phone on silent. The wages of sin is death. You see, we owe our very lives as payment for sin. It's gonna cost us everything. We need help. We need a savior. You know who we need? We need someone who's compassionate and gracious, someone who's slow to anger, someone who's abounding in love. We need Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus is the father or the source of eternal life. He's the eternal, everlasting father. See, Jesus was born into the world what we're celebrating. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus never ignored, never dismissed, never wandered away from his father. He never sinned. And because his life was so perfect and precious, it became the only acceptable payment for our sins, for our rebellion. And what's amazing is Jesus died on the cross. He wasn't just paying for the sins of the world. He was paying for your sins. He was paying for my sins. He had each and every one of us in mind. He did it. He's paid. He's made forgiveness available. Now it's up to us as people to embrace the work of Jesus 
through faith, through faith, through trusting in the life and the death of Jesus. Romans 10 says, it is with your heart that you believe. This is what it means to put your faith in the saving work of Jesus, that he's won forgiveness. It's in your heart that you believe and are justified. That means just as if I'd never sinned, just as if I'd never sinned, and it is with your mouth that you confess, you profess your faith and are saved. The truth is, maybe there's one or two of you right here, and the greatest gift you'll ever receive is unopened. Jesus has paid the price. Maybe today is the day of your salvation. Maybe today is the day that you embrace the forgiving work of Jesus by faith, his perfect life, his unfair death, so that you would never have to experience death. Maybe today is the day you find the most precious, valuable, and satisfying thing that you will never find under any Christmas tree over a hundred lifetimes. Okay, here we, let's move on. Jesus, we delight in you because you heal us. It's a reason we can delight in this beautiful baby that we celebrate Jesus. Our eternal Father, Jesus, has secured our healing. On the other side of this life lies eternity. And every person who places their faith in Christ will receive full healing and freedom from the ravages, devastation, and decay of sin in the life to come. God may even gift some people healing in this life. But even nowadays, when God heals someone, they still die. Their body's still decaying. On the other side of death lies eternity. So here's a reason for you to delight. Even if you're experiencing pain, sickness, disease, maybe you know someone. Maybe you've lost someone. And this time of the year can be so difficult because it's family and it's connection and that, that loss is felt. Revelation 21. This is speaking about the future life for all Christ followers. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Man, Christmas is a season to celebrate to worship God. Band, why don't you make your way up? I'm gonna make my last point. Here's the final one. Jesus, we delight in you because you redeem and crown us. Have you guys ever seen the show American Pickers? Anyone ever watched American Pickers? It's a show that follows a team around as they scour through junkyards, basements, garages, barns, looking for valuable and unidentified things. Here's the thing, Jesus is a little bit like that. He's rescued us from the coming destruction and the devastation of this fallen world. He's rescued us, he's taken us out of the pit and he's actually lavished on us compassion and grace. It says he crowns us with love and compassion. Jesus has acted on our behalf. He's paid the price to free us. That means he's redeemed us. More than just rescuing us, he lavishes us. He crowns us with love and compassion. Once we were, in the, we were agents of his rightful wrath, then we became objects of his love and his compassion, children of the living God. This is the work 
of our everlasting Father. I trust your hearts have been a little bit warmed, a little bit stirred. What are you celebrating about your heavenly Jesus, your everlasting Father? Maybe you need to hear that he doesn't treat me like I deserve. <laughs> Man, good news. Maybe you need to learn again that, hey, he's rescued me. He's restoring me. Maybe you need to know on the other side of this life lies eternity with God. We can celebrate without Jesus, none of this. What a season we're going into. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why don't you stand? We're gonna sing in just a moment as a response to this fantastic news about the Father we serve. We've said, Jesus, we love you because you don't treat us like we deserve. You are for us and not against us. You are slow to anger, yet you shower us with love. Jesus, we delight in you because you have won forgiveness for us. You heal us, you redeem us, and you crown us, and you are worthy of our praise. Let's sing, let's celebrate Jesus.
Your 